0: listening to the weekly sermon from Antioch East Baptist Church located in Magnolia, Arkansas. For more information about our faith and local congregation, visit antiocheast.com. It's been a couple of weeks since we have been in our study of Romans. And just a little bit of review. Last week we talked about verses 16 and 17. Let me read those for you real quick. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And in those few words he kind of introduces the whole book. And what we're fixing to do is start in what I believe is, the, is his message proper. He's done with introduction, and now he's fixing to get into the body of his message. And that's where we will begin. The good news of the gospel is how to overcome the bad news of the law. So let's stand together and let's read together verse 18. Verse 18, just one verse this morning. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now this morning I'm going to try to explain the best I can. We're going to talk about... We're going to start a series on the guilt of the heathen. But our message this morning is called, Now listen, How to Begin an Evangelistic Appeal. How to begin an evangelistic appeal. And it is not God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. It's actually God is angry with you and is prepared for judgment against those who reject His Son. As I said, the good news of the gospel is how to overcome the bad news of the law. See, the problem is that men are sinners. The Bible says in Genesis 2:15 through 17 that God created Adam, and He gave him instructions on what he could do, which was just about everything. And He gave him one negative command, and that was, Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Look at Genesis 2, 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Now listen, verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now we know the story, don't we? He did eat of that fruit and thrust us all into sin. We inherit our sin nature from our father, mother, Adam and Eve. And we are sinners and we have broken God's law. We're the rebels. We run from God. God didn't run from us. Now, look, Ezekiel 18 4 says, Behold, all souls are mine. Now, listen, God is in control, folks. You can gripe and argue at God all you want to, but it is God that sets the rules. It is God that's in control. It is God that is sovereign. And He says, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. Now, listen, this is what God has said And the soul that sinneth, it shall die. That very day that Adam and Eve ate that fruit, they died in two ways. Number one, they died physically. Their physical life began to deteriorate. But immediately, immediately they died spiritually. Immediately they were separated from God. Immediately they were no longer sinless and no longer innocent in their way. Man is not naturally good. Man is naturally bad. No one takes lying 101. You have to teach your kids how to be honest. You have to teach your kids how to share. You have to teach your kids to overcome their anger. How many of y'all had kids that naturally said, Mother, my teeth are getting hairy. I must brush them. No, most everybody had to fight with their kids. If you don't brush your teeth, they're going to fall out, you know, and you had to fight with them. Why? Because men are naturally tend to the negative and to the bad and to the sinful. The Bible says that man has died and is separated from God Psalms 101, verse 5 says, Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. That means they won't have a leg to stand on, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. My friend, if you depend upon your own goodness, if you depend upon your own righteousness, you will not stand in the judgment. You're going to be found guilty. John 3 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in Christ, now listen, is condemned already. My friend, there's no trial really needs to go on. God knows the truth, He doesn't need witnesses. He is omniscient, and He knows who you are and what you are. And already, my friend, we have been found guilty. Yeah. Revelation 20, verse 14. Says this is the final judgment that will come, and the final day. Then death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's what happens to those who leave this life without having their sins forgiven and covered. What will we do? What will we do? And in these verses, beginning in this section of this book in Romans and running to uh, chapter 3, verse 20, what Paul does is give a scathing indictment against every human being that has ever lived or ever will live. All people are sinners and without hope of salvation or through themselves. And Paul makes that perfectly clear. Why? Why? Let me tell you something. How many people have we known that all of a sudden they go to the doctor and they find that they have a disease, a cancer or something, and they have waited so long because they didn't see the signs and it was too late or almost too late to take care of it. And it would have been good to have a warning. It would have been good to have some symptoms. It's good to have symptoms. Pain's not always a bad thing, is it? It'd be good to have some warnings. Well, let me tell you something. That's what Paul's doing. Nobody will want to be saved if they don't know that they're lost. My friend, it's not that God is going to judge you. He already has. You are guilty and he knows it. He doesn't need Judge Wapner. He doesn't need Judge Judy. He doesn't need witnesses. He doesn't need a jury. He knows. Now, mama may not know what you did. Daddy may not find out, and and the police may not catch up with you, and the church may be deceived, but I want to tell you there's an all-knowing God that sees the hearts of men. Here are three revelations of the wrath of God that Paul gives. Number one, depraved actions. What is the reason for the wrath of God? Depraved actions. Ungodliness. Unrighteousness. What do these words mean? Why does he use them? Well, we see that ungodliness is what I would call sins against God. Sins against God. You say, Brother Ron, aren't all sins against God? You are correct. But it does seem that the Bible does categorize them. Exodus 20 uh, verses 3 through 11 Here is ungodliness. You shall not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not have anybody, anything that you love more than me. Or number two, you shall not make for yourself any carved image. Basically the same thing. And then number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. My goodness, we do this so much. If you use God's name, God, Lord, Jesus, Jesus Christ, whatever, for anything other than prayer praise or preaching you have blasphemed the holy name of God and listen to the caveat he gives at this command i'm reading to you the words of God he will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain remember the sabbath day and keep it holy and i want to tell you something jesus is our sabbath rest he has become that for us it's the only command not reiterated in the new testament and then there's sins against man Sins against man. And he starts there in verse 12 of chapter 20. Honor your father and your mother. Hey, 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 kids. Listen to this. You adults, you ought to honor your parents too. Got them, didn't I? (laughs) Everybody has parents. Amen. Everybody's parents makes mistakes. But you are to love them and honor them. You say, well, I tell you what, I've got some bad parents. Well, honor them as unto the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. These are all sins against other people. Uh, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. So we see that the Ten Commandments are made up of two parts. Sins against God and then sins against our fellow man. Depraved actions. So we have that the wrath of God is revealed against anybody that has broken the first four commandments. And the wrath of God is going to be coming against anyone who's broken the last six. And guess who that is? You. Me. All have sinned. So the wrath of God is revealed against sinfulness and sinners. Okay, we got that? Number two, Determined ignorance. Determined ignorance. Depraved actions and then determined ignorance. This is what the wrath of God is coming upon and why we see it. Against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who, listen, suppress the truth in unrighteousness the word suppress means to hold down, to try to hold down, to cover up, to suppress, to basically ignore. What are we suppressing? Truth. Because let me tell you something, now please listen to me, there is no such thing as an atheist. Now they will claim to be an atheist, but my friend, God has revealed himself to everybody and anybody that says there's no God, they are suppressing truth in unrighteousness. Isn't it amazing? Have you ever seen atheists? A lot of them, they're very temperamental. Very temperamental. Very mad at you for believing in God. Very mad about religion. And it's been all, I've always thought to myself, how in the world can you be so mad at something you don't even believe exists? That shows right there, they know there's something. When rebellious men do not like what the Word of God says, they ignore it, they distort it, They deny it and they try to throw it out. They suppress it. And that's what our society is doing. Why do people choose to say, let's not have prayer in school? Why do we choose to suppress religious uh, uh, freedoms and things? Why are they trying to? Because they want to get rid of God. A world without God, a society without God, ends up in filth and chaos. That brings me to my last point. The wrath of God is revealed. A lot of people don't like to talk about wrath, judgment, hell. But my friend, it's the truth. Nobody likes to think about uh, negative things. But I want to tell you something. If you come to the parsonage late at night or in the middle of the day or whatever to visit us and you see that the roof of the parsonage is on fire... I give you permission to scream, holler, and yell, and do like I do on Sunday mornings when I'm preaching to warn me and my family to get out of that burning house. And I don't want you to go, hey, listen, it's so pretty out here, don't you want to come outside? Listen, it's stuffy in your old house, you ought to come outside. No, my friend, you beat on the doors, you break out the windows, you holler and you scream and you grab by the hair or whatever and get us into safety. We might be mad at you temporarily, but once we see that you saved our life, we'll be eternally grateful. My friend, this idea of let's not offend the world. Let's not talk about judgment. Let's not talk about uh, wrath. Let's not talk about these things. My friend, it won't work. And as a matter of fact, it is, it's the opposite of love. And Paul begins to preach the gospel. And what does he do? He spends about five chapters, basically, talking about the gospel. How to be saved. Three of those. He spends by telling everybody how guilty they are. Why? Because that's the reason for salvation. God has come to save us from our sin. This divine wrath, number one, is royal wrath. This is royal wrath. That is, it is the wrath of God. The wrath from heaven, we don't like to think of God. God is loving, God is loving, kind and merciful. Yes, He is. So was my mama. But the switch told me she was also a mama of wrath. Yes, your parents are full of love and graciousness and help, but they also are not going to let you get away with things. They have to have a little wrath. Amen. And I'll tell you something, God is wrathful. And here's even more so than our parents because God hates sin because sin is an affront to Him. To Him. He is holy and He is righteous. And when we sin, we sin against His purity, His holiness, Him. This is royal wrath. Me and Will and anybody that preaches the gospel... We're just servants. We're messengers. And many like to mock us. Matter of fact, today some of you are going to leave this place and you may mock me in your mind or maybe you'll just reject me and my message. And some even persecute the messengers. But let me tell you something. The one to whom the message belongs cannot be ignored and he cannot be avoided. Who do you think you are? I know what it is, you're young, you think you're bulletproof, as they say and all. But I want to tell you something. Wait wait till that first, that first disease. I don't know how many people in this church that I have ministered to and God has delivered who almost came to the point of death. And everyone would say, boy, you just don't realize how fragile life is till you almost lose it. And everybody within the sound of my voice is going to die. The statistics on death are alarming. One out of every one people die. And you will face the judgment. It's been important that a man wants to die, and after this the judgment, and God cannot be avoided. Your very breath, my friend, is determined by His pleasure. While you live, you may even be experiencing the wrath of God even right now. This is revealed wrath. It says it is revealed from heaven. Did not God reveal His wrath all the way through history? He did it in garden when they did die. Their eyes were open, and it did not bring great knowledge. It brought great sorrow and death. He showed His wrath at the flood. He showed His wrath at Babel when He he changed the languages and scattered the people from the earth. He he showed His wrath against the nations that rebelled against Him. He showed His wrath to Israel through the judges. And every time they'd sin, He'd send them into uh, exile, and God would have to deliver them. And He showed His wrath after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, He showed His wrath again to Israel, and He has rejected them and turned to the Gentiles mainly. We question, was this natural disaster the wrath of God? Was God looking the other way, or was He asleep when the hurricanes hit the shores? Was God unaware when nine eleven happened, 9 happened? And we ask, where was God? might have been right there in the middle of it. God causes or allows everything that happens and has a purpose in it all. But listen to what Amos 3, 6 says. If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people be afraid? Now listen, if there is calamity in a city, will not the Lord have done it? And the rhetorical answer is yes, it is the Lord that has done it. But let me tell you, let me explain this just a little bit. I'm not trying to get God off the hook. God is God, amen? There is what I call indignant wrath. I do not believe this is the wrath that we're dealing with in this verse, but I want to explain it. Indignant wrath. It is usually translated with the Greek word thumos. It means hot anger wrath. It is rendered fierceness in the Bible. When I was a kid, this was probably in the sixth grade or so, he was a friend of mine, and uh, and uh, he uh, he had kind of long fingernails a little bit, and I always got on to him about him because he uh, I was always cutting himself with. Him. I said, "Why don't you trim them, suckers?" But anyway, uh, but anyway, we were about sixth grade. Uh, he had something. I think it was a basketball, and I went by and I stole it from him. I, I got it out of his hand, just just messing around. Well, apparently, it made him mad. And so I kind of ran, and I turned around, and he was coming at me. He wasn't trying to play basketball, and he had his hands like claws, and those claws and talons, and he hit his teeth, and he looked like a mushroom. And he was even growling. And so I threw the ball, hit him in the face, and ran off. <laughs> See, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. That's indignant wrath. He was going to exact judgment for himself. 2 Corinthians 12, 20 explains it as outbursts of wrath. Revelation 19, 15, And out of his mouth comes a two-edged sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule with them with a rod of iron, and he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And that is talking about fierce wrath where he will grab us, Those that do not know Christ and cast us into hell and bring judgment upon the earth. That's indignant wrath. Then we see inherent natural wrath. Well, if you put your hand in the fire, what's going to happen? Now, was that the judgment of God? Did God make you put your hand in that fire? You know, if you get on a bicycle... And you want to learn to ride and you get out there and you ride and every once in a while you fall down. It's not that God pushed you down. It's that it just happens. It's natural wrath. You live in this world. You go out and you play in the sun and guess what? You get a sunburn. It's what I call natural inherent wrath. God's natural wrath started the moment Adam ate the forbidden fruit. There's always natural consequences for sin. When the AIDS epidemic, I remember when I was young, when the AIDS epidemic broke out, everyone was questioning and some even saying it was the judgment of God. And it is. But it's not necessarily the active, intentional judgment of God. It's just the natural consequences of sin. It's inherent, natural wrath. But then there is, and this is the wrath I believe we're talking about, The intentional, natural wrath. The intentional. For instance, look at verse 24. Therefore God gave them up. Look down at verse 26. For this reason God gave them up. Look at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. They're all three the same phrase. God gave them up. God gave them up. God gave them It's like God holding back the waters of negative things in this world. And finally, when people just won't have it, He says, all right, I'll let you go. All right, here you go. This is God basically withholding His protection and giving mankind what they want. The problem is they won't like what they get. They won't like what they get. We're talking about divine wrath. We see the royal wrath. We see that it is revealed wrath. But then lastly, we see that it is righteous wrath. It is right. It is right that God should judge man and judge you and bring His wrath upon those who sin. It's right. The word wrath is divine judgment based on God's angry judgment against someone to punish with punishment. It is wrath determined by guilt. It is the wrath of a judge. This word seems to be indicated to, as I said, judicial activity. John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God, listen, abides on him. Not will abide on him, but does abide on him. Romans 2.5, But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, uh, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. One day God is going to judiciously, justly judge you for your sin. And Revelation 11.18 says, The nations were angry and your wrath has come in the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants. The prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, uh, small and great. And you should destroy those who destroy the earth. My friend, the Bible says, God says He is coming with clouds and His reward is with Him. Look down at verse 32. Chapter 1 of Romans, verse 32. Listen. Who, knowing the righteous judgments of God. The righteous judgment of God. The just judgments of God. Knowing that God is going to judge fairly. That ought to scare the devil out of you. That those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve this, those that practice it. God's going to judge righteous judgment. The Bible says He's appointed a day in which you will judge the world in righteousness. In righteousness. That ought to scare you. See, the problem is, is you think you're okay. That's what Proverbs says. Every man is right in his own eyes. If I were to ask you, if you died today, would you go to heaven? Uh, you know, Most everybody, nine and a half people out of ten, always say, yeah, I'm, I think I'll go to heaven. And then nine or eight out of ten, when you ask them, well, why do you think that? They say, well, I'm a pretty good person. Now, what they mean by that is I'm not Hitler. They don't reveal that they're disobedient to the parents. They've lied. They've even stolen things or they've cheated and, and all the things. And we, we, we try to categorize and we say, Well, brother on I tell you what, I'm better than you. And I would probably agree with that. But there's a problem with that. Now, you listen to me, please. I am not the standard. That's right. That's right. He is going to judge you in righteousness. And that righteousness, now listen, is His righteousness. Righteousness. Mm. Psalms 1 verse 5 says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In other words, as I said before when I use this, you will not have a leg to stand on in the judgment if you die in your own sin. In conclusion, I can hear it in my mind now. I can hear somebody saying it. How could a loving God send innocent people to hell? You're right about God he's loving but you're wrong about people they're not innocent they're not innocent you lived your whole life and you never did anything with your hands that is wrong my friend let me tell you something god knows not just the works of your hands he understands the intentions and the desires of your heart you know inside yourself you are a filthy sinner I am. I am. We all are. People may reach your standard of good, but no one meets the standard of righteousness required by God. God has only killed one innocent person, and that was to save you from your sin. Only one innocent person has ever died on this earth and that was Jesus Christ and He intentionally died in your place. Hallelujah. He came to die because you could never pay for all your sin. He died for you. He took you lying, He took you cheating, He took your cursing, He took your disobedience, He took it all upon Himself. He died, the innocent died as a sinner so that you might live forever as perfect. Yeah. We don't go to heaven on our own goodness. No, my friend, we'd have gone to hell on that. We go to heaven on His goodness, hallelujah. Yeah. The question isn't how could a loving God judge and destroy sinners? The question is why would He save any of you or any of us? That's the question. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 Wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus. Now listen. Who delivers us from the wrath to come. Here's your answer for this. I want to leave you with hope. Yes, there's judgment coming and it's coming on all those who die in their sin. But you do not have to die in your sin. You can die in His righteousness if you to repent of your sin and say, I don't want my sin and I turn from my sin and I turn and I choose the cross and I believe in Christ. He is the Son of God, virgin born and, and He lived a sinless life and He died a willing death for me and He rose again. He ascended into heaven and now is interceding for those who trust in Him.